following is an encore episode of the Biz Tools Podcast. Any email addresses, web URLs, or other time-specific information may no longer apply. Please visit davidaspect.com for more information. Thanks for listening. Biz Tools Podcast, Episode 12. Welcome to the Biz Tools Podcast, practical advice for today's busy business leader. And now your hosts, David Speck and Jerry Frentress. Welcome to the Biz Tools Podcast. This is David Speck, and we don't have Jerry Frentress with us today. Uh, Jerry is on assignment in the deep heart of Africa doing something that we don't know what he's doing, but he's there really working out for you. But we do have two great guests with us today. Sean Green, the managing editor of the Bozier Press Tribune and the VP of Biz is back in studio with us. Hey, Sean. Hello, I can I can be your Jerry if you want. Well, let's see how this goes. I'm the old guy. <laughs> and then also we have Randy Brown, who is the VP of the Bozier Press Tribune and also the author of Marketing BS, which is Marketing Bozier Shreveport, a column in biz. Hey, Randy, how's it going? Hello, Dave. How are you? I'm doing great. It's good to be with y'all today. And I'm not Jerry. <laughs> we just came back from a conference in Dallas, Texas, the Dave Ramsey Entree Leadership One Day Conference. And to say that a conference is amazing, that's, that's said all the time, but guys, can you agree that this conference was pretty much the best thing we've ever been to? Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was ton, tons of fun and very, my brain is very full right now. <laughs> Going to a conference a lot of the time is like trying to drink from a fire hose. You get inundated with a lot of information and trying to decipher it and make it work in, in, in your day-to-day -day life is really where a lot of the problem takes place. You get all excited at a conference, you're, doing, you're, you're, you're pumped up, and then you get back to, the, to regular life. And the routines of day to day kind of kind of get you off track from all that excitement that you had and all that new information that you've been dealing with. So what we're going to do today for the listeners is kind of recap and have a roundtable discussion about some of the things we learned at the Entree Leadership one day. Um, we'll also have some links in the show notes to some other um, items that are available from the, the Dave Ramsey group. But y'all know, guys, I'm a Dave Ramsey disciple. I mean, ever since yes, I went sir. through Financial Peace University and then I found out about Entree Leadership, I've been kind of hounding you guys with the Entree Leadership mantra. But tell me, uh, we'll start with Sean. Sean, you're probably the most cynical of the three of us, and that's just a natural tendency of yours. It's your generation, et cetera. You went to the conference. You had a little bit of an excitement, but you came out of it really exciting. Can you kind of tell me a little bit of what really stood out for you that really kind of got you on fire? Uh, there were two things that, that really stood out to me. Uh, the first one is um, why why we do what we do, um, a higher purpose mm -hmm. that matters. Um, you know, he, he talked, uh, when I say he, Dave Ramsey talked about um, how uh, Rabbi Daniel Appen says God is inordinately pleased when we are obsessively compulsively preoccupied with the needs of others for what we do both in biz and the Bushwick press tribune we serve other people mm -hmm. yes. and we have to be preoccupied with that and if we serve other people and we're committed to serving other people and meeting their needs then everything else will follow everything will take care of itself right and that's kind of counterintuitive to the way people did it for years and years and years it was always about you know go get go after get you know all you can get you know whatever it takes and we have shifted as a culture. I mean, the precepts have always worked, 
but the entire culture has shifted in this direction, wouldn't you say, Randy? Yes. That 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 you have to really have a greater good or a greater purpose at the heart of what you do. That if you're simply there to make profit for the sake of making profit, you end up falling on your face. It matters, and like he said, it matters that we do what we do. And I like the Zig Ziglar quote that he used, and I've heard Zig, all of us have, that followed him for all these years have heard this. If you help enough people get what they want, you will get what you want. Mm -hmm. And that was just one of the main sayings of that organization. And Ever since I left from Dallas, and we talked extensively in the, in the ride back to, to Shreveport Bossier, I kept coming back to the original thing that David said when he got out on stage. And that was business done with excellency matters. matters or business done with excellence matters. I don't know that I've always embraced that. Meaning you, I, I'll give you an example. I was always taught in the sales business, you give a person enough information, but not too much for them to make a buying decision because you can talk yourself right out of a sale. But here we're talking about in everything we do, from you know what what kind of pens we write with to how we dress to how we uh, um, to what our website looks at yeah. everything has to have this idea of excellence it, and it gets back to another guy that I kind of admire and that's Steve Jobs who said the inside of the computer has to be as uh, look as good as the outside of the computer then you know you've got quality and in this day and age I think with so many options out there for who people want to do business with it's the ones that do have that higher calling or those ones that do it with excellence that are above the fray that, that they, they, they get the, they get the nod when other places don't, it's not simply uh, enough to open your doors in a local area and say, well, all the local people have got to come do business with me. I, I think you have to do more than that. Well, Dave Ramsey said it best. You have to be intentional. Well, you do in anything you do. you do. And, and if you, if you, if you put priority on excellence, and everything you do and you have a higher calling or, or a, a noble reason for doing what you do, then your business will take care of itself. Yes, it will. I like a lot of what they said about the playbook for success and a championship team is no accident and you need to mm -hmm. develop a championship playbook. Yep. I mean, it's a good, it's an excellent strategy. It is. And it works. I mean, like Dave said, if you, if you build with excellence and excellence matters and you build your team with excellence, then, Things are going to take care of themselves, not making mm -hmm. light of anything to do in the business uh, activities or, or situations that we all go through in business, but things will handle themselves. And he, and, and on that same note, I want to point out at the very end, he really like, I got a little choked up because he, he was talking about the Winston Churchill quote mm -hmm. when he went and spoke and it's in the middle of, of war and he just, you know, said, never quit, never quit. Never quit. He was actually almost like screaming it. Yes. And and then at the end he said, so if you're on the bubble, if your business is on the bubble, never quit because I know what it's like to be on the bubble. Mm -hmm. And that really touched me because, you know, how many businesses out there are just scraping by? Mm -hmm. How many businesses are clinging on with a death grip to whatever they have and they're so close to just giving up? If, if He said, if you just show up, you'll win. Well, yeah, that's, that's 90% right. of it because – so many times people just won't show up. They don't. They they they, they quit or they or they lose interest. Um, y'all y'all get um, kind of enamored with the fact that I have Project ADD, meaning I'm always wanting to do the next project, <laughs> and the long term kind of gets in my way and and, and, and such. Uh, 
which kind of leads us into to the next part of the discussion, and that is understanding personality types. Um, I've I've done half a dozen different, you know, from Strength Finder to to the Flag Page, all kinds of personality issues. But one of the things that really resonated when um, Chris Hogan came out, and Chris sounds like the Allstate guy, self admittedly sounds like the Allstate he guy. He sure does. And but but he does starting to understand who a high D is or a decisive person really kind of resonated it's the my eyes started opening matter of fact let, let's talk about it. when they were explaining the different personality types every single one of us started writing names of our oh, team members sure. back at the office right Definitely. yeah i have yes. it marked in my book who everybody is it's right here and and doing that all of a sudden it started opening up like oh wait a minute i've been dealing with this person in the wrong way mm -hmm. that this is what, what's important to me or how i do things or how i think is not exactly how they think and how they receive what i'm telling them sean and i are both you know in, in one way it's high d personalities um i'm i'm more the the interactive as well but as high d's we can say something to one another and be very cut and dry and hey this is what needs to be and it's like yes let's go let's do it let's be, let's be done but other people need that understanding of the why. Why are we doing this? Why is change necessary? What what's what's going to be gained by doing all this? You know, explain it to me, and be willing to take the feedback of let me tell you why this isn't going to work, and not take it as an affront to the idea, but merely that person's need to explore all of the pros and cons. And that was the second thing that I took away from all this was the fact that. Um, I'm very clearly a decisive person. I'm, I would say I'm 80% in the decisive person. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I, you know, and, and I have a reporter that I work for and I've already talked to her about it. Um, you know, m me telling her that she's doing a job is me leaving her alone. That's not appropriate for her because she's not a high D. Right. And so it taught me that I need to learn to approach other people on their level and talk to them on their level and be able to, to effectively lead them, I have to do that. And this was really eye-opening, and it made me go, God, I've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> as much as I enjoyed learning about myself and all that, and I'm just and I'm just been enamored with it ever since we left Friday. And that's what this is all about, is just learning the different personality types. There's several different personality tests on the market. Everything basically works off of one way or the other, off of four quadrants. Mm -hmm. And it helps us all know how to work better, not only with ourselves as a leadership team, but also with our, our team members. Well, and you know, the, the quick movers are the decisive and the interactive, you know, the decisive people. Yep. Let's go do it. Let's get it done. Let's get it out of here. It's out of the interactive people are like, let's do it. It's going to be fun, et cetera. And then you have the two, the stabilizing and the cautious that, that need more time that need to go a little bit slower. And what blew me away is that 65% of Americans or 65% of the workforce are in these slower categories. So yes. if you're a high speed, let's get it done. Let's get it over with. You're completely, you're completely running rough shot over 65% of your team. And so we have to kind of take that step back and say, okay, let's do this a little bit slower. Let's do this a little bit. Let's, let's, let's get the buy-in or like Jerry likes to say, sell the sellers. Yes. And, and, and get it moving to where we have all that. And it's a little bit frustrating for me as a person who's just like, let's get it done, let's do it tomorrow. But on the same token, if, we, if I don't do that, I'm gonna be out there doing it by myself. And that's not exactly where you wanna be either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have, to win, you have to win people over, and that's especially true in my department um, and, and with you know, the sales department, yes, Randy. for sure. You know, in my dealings with them, I have to be on their level 
and and even though they may be slow moving i have to be the force that pushes them that pushes them along because if they're slow moving and nobody's behind them pushing then they'll never get out of the building right and so they everybody has their role to play mm -hmm. um another thing that i took away from from the personalities portion of it understanding your customers and your clients from a personality standpoint Yes. I never, it never dawned on me that I needed to connect with, I, I can connect with people. I have that ability to, to, to visit, but some of these people, they may need more time and some other people may be, yeah, let's go, let's go. What's it going to take? You know, let's get this moving and recognizing which type of person that client is will go a long way to being able to connect and, and get them to, to, to do what, what, what the, you know, it could be in their best interest. You could have the best thing ever, but if you're running roughshod in your presentation over that person, they're not going to do business with you at all. And Randy, I bet you do that subconsciously when you're out there. Yes, you do. You do. One thing that really resonated with me, and this is something I've always said, and it was good to hear him say it when we were there, is there's no cookie cutter approach to all this. And some people like to make it that way, but it's not. I mean, people are different. Every, every individual is different. And you deal with them in different ways. Uh, and building a connection. Don't build barriers with people, but yes. build a connection with them. Whatever yeah. connects on their level. Yeah, yeah. Find something. Chris There's said, a common area. He said, find don't it. use your personality as a weapon. Yes. Right. Man, that's so. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. You know, and I'm not, I'm not the type of person that runs roughshod over people. I think the people that I work with would know that. But I do, I do use it as, as a barrier sometimes. And that's wrong. And I'm wrong. And man, and, and so it really spoke to me on that level. And you're absolutely right, Randy. We don't, you, you can't do that and be an effective leader. Well, you know, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, thank you, John Maxwell. <laughs> but you can't influence somebody if, they, if you don't connect with them. I mean, you can have influence over somebody by virtue of your title. You know, hey, if I don't do this, I don't get a paycheck. But they're not going to give you their best unless you influence them on a relational way and it's different for different people uh, you know you can connect with one team member simply by saying hey how's it going and as you walk through the the office and another one you may have to have one-on-ones with on a regular basis it just depends on the personality type and and you know and, do you need to be a cheerleader or do you need to be a coach exactly and there is a difference and one thing that really resonated with me too is, and I've done a lot of the personality tests. Y'all have heard me say that through the years. Uh, I had never heard it said before that there was a mature and an immature within each category. And oh, that threw me. I, yeah. was, not, oh, yeah. I was not, I'm like, wow. Huh? <laughs> and yeah. But after they said it, it started making sense. Right. I'm like, yes, this makes perfect sense. Yeah, the immature person will run rough shot. The mature mm -hmm. person in that category you know, we'll, we'll um, you know, and we keep going back to high D's because it's the easiest one to talk about. But, you know, the immature high D is just like, let's go. And if you fall off the bandwagon as we're going, too bad. But the mature one sees the value in other people and sees the value of taking a step back and, and doing what they need to do to get the buy-in. You well, can still be a high D and get it done. Well, just for our, our listeners, I want to illustrate the point that Chris Hogan used okay. where, uh, between the, DI, the D, the I, the S, and the C. He said, if if I divided you all up into your categories and said, mm -hmm. okay, we're going to go build a bridge, the high Ds would literally run out of the building 
and they would just build a bridge. And he said, you may not want to drive on it because it definitely wouldn't look like a bridge. <laughs> right. But it would be a bridge. It would be a bridge. He said the eyes would be like, okay, let's go do it. But, you know, we've got to get some, some chips and dip mm-hmm. and some drinks. And, you know, because we're going to grill while we're doing this, right? Like, we're going to we're gonna have some fun. He said the S's would just kind of stand there and go, I don't know. We're going to have some problems with this. And he said, then you got to tell them why you, they need the bridge and why they need to do it. We need to know a few things. Uh, where is this bridge yeah. going to be? Yes. Do we and have then, the right of way? And then, people be and, wanting all the blueprints Exactly. And the C's would never leave the building because they would cross their arms and look at you and go, we have some questions about this yeah, bridge. no plan. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and they would never get it done. So I found that real. I mean, just mm-hmm. that illustration mm-hmm. perfectly sum, you know, summarizes these four personality quadrants. It doesn't. When he said, I'm not driving across a bridge at a D built. <laughs> yeah. It's like made the whole thing like, oh, okay, I see what he means. Yeah. yeah and, and I've seen some, you know, we're in the print media business. I've seen some publications that high D's made. Yes. And, and, and yeah, they're there. They've been printed. They're on paper. But that's about all that you could recognize as a, as a print publication there. They want to be quality conscious, but they just simply don't have time to, mm-hmm. to, to wait on, on, on all the best quality. If you're just getting your product out the door and that's your attitude and that's the attitude that will carry over to your team and then look at the product you're putting out. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's something to be said for getting things done. But, again, excellence matters. Yes, and you have does. to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Now, the afternoon session was really, really impactful f- for me. Um, me too. You know, D- Dave spent, you know, the majority of it, you know, it was all Dave in the afternoon. And it was the people part just really open. You know, and, and let me read the, the, the some of the points that he made, and, and we'll, we'll go back to them as needed. But he said, customers are people. Don't treat them like revenue units. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that a lot of us is, that are in benefits-driven sales get. Yes. You know, we, 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 we always want to try to be the benefit to the customer. But vendors are people. Treat them like family. That's a little bit more difficult to accomplish, especially in this day and age when you can go to Amazon for darn near anything. Mm. But but it's true. You can build foster some great relationships that end up becoming referrals to other potential relationships that you can have. Team members are people, not units of production. And I think that, it, it, at least in our, our company, we do a good job of that to a degree. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. But mm-hmm. at some point we get, especially when frustration is high, we're like, just get it done. Or a deadline's approaching or something like right. that, and it's all about. Now, here's the one that smacked me in the face. Competitors are people. Don't destroy them to win. Mm-hmm. Oh, my Lord. Talk about just really two by four between the eyes. I mean, I've grown up in, in this newspaper business, and we hated radio. We hated television. We hated the Metro newspaper if there was one in our markets. And it was everything that we could do to beat them out, to beat them up, and to beat them down. I mean, that was that was the mindset. I mean, you just went after, you know. And then about, oh, I'd say about 20 years ago, this whole idea of a media mix came to, to pass, you know, where the agencies started getting more involved and they would recommend this much in radio, this much in TV, this much in print, and now with online and everything. And, oh, I was so frosted by it because here they are taking my share of revenue and putting it over in this evil medium that does nobody any good because that's what's been hammered into my head for so many years. Mm -hmm. And it was like, wait a minute. He's absolutely right. You know, I'm not – 
markets are so big now that a lot of people can coexist. And there's nothing wrong with being in heavy competition and getting wins over the competition. But to have the attitude that you're going to destroy somebody else's business, you know, for every family member of, of your team members, you know, everybody's got a family that's that, 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 that our company supports financially, our competitors got the same thing. Yes. And generally they're not evil people. And so by destroying your competition, you're destroying families. You're destroying the breadwinning ability of certain people. Not to say you don't get your wins, not to say you don't get your share, not to say you don't kick their tail every every so often. But you got to get away from this attitude of I've got to destroy my competition mm -hmm. to win. I like that, and I liked what he said. And like you said, competitors or people don't destroy them to win. But I also made note of what he said. You just have to outlast them. You don't have to destroy them, just outlast them. Right. And then also he was talking about if – you're probably going to be okay even if you have a competitor in the market. In other words, there's room for both of you. Mm -hmm. I thought about it this weekend. It's funny. This is how well it stuck in my brain because, as you guys know, I like to unplug mm -hmm. on the weekends. I like to, to detach so I can <laughs> Me too. refresh. Yeah. And uh, one thing I did was, and I know it's silly, but it has a point. I played croquet this weekend in the park with my friends. And I don't know if anybody knows how to play croquet, but if your ball touches somebody else's ball, you get to go again. Yeah. And you can actually put launch, your foot on the ball. Launch their ball. Launch like, their ball and, and knock them whichever way you want, completely out right, of the path of, of the wicket. Um, and I thought about that as I prepared to send my <laughs> friend's ball uh, into, the, into the stratosphere yesterday. I thought, you know... This is just like what Dave said, <laughs> clack. And it's hard for me. That illustrates the perfect point of I want to win. And mm -hmm. not only do I want to mm -hmm. win, I want to win by seven touchdowns. And it's hard for me to not think, well, you know, not only do I want to get this win over them, but I want to see them humiliated. And he had a very valid point that that's, that's wrong. That's not a Christian attitude. That's not a – Good business right. ethic. Right. Attitude. Even the most attitude. gentle natured person out there, me, no one look around, but <laughs> <laughs> has a competitive streak. And Dave will tell you, I'm very competitive oh, yeah. when it comes to certain things. And you've seen that too. But yes, everybody has that. We're going to move forward, but I want to take this opportunity to just kind of pause for a second and, 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 and touch on a subject. All three of us have read the Entree Leadership book. Mm -hmm. it, it was semi-required reading when it came out because I, I bought it first and I started reading it. And I'm like, dude, you guys have got to read this. Mm -hmm. And so I bought y'all books. But what a difference it made to be in a conference. Same material being taught, mm -hmm. actually at a little more of an accelerated rate because they're trying to squeeze a whole lot of stuff into, into a very short amount of time. But it's amazing how different we came away from the conference versus what we came away from having read the book. Yes. It makes a difference to have it presented in a very dynamic way. I mean, you know, Dave Ramsey is a very dynamic speaker. Very much so. And to have him there shouting to a microphone just gets your attention more than looking at words on a page. It just mm -hmm. does. It's a visual you know, an auditory medium. It was just something when he walked out. I mean, you, you kind of, <laughs> you were kind of humbled or honored to be in the presence of. Well, well, that, maybe get it was a rock concert. Yeah, was there was concert. so much electricity in the room when he walked out on stage. And then everybody gave him a standing ovation from mm -hmm. the beginning. He hadn't said a word. He just, his presence. And then, there. and then he just came to them. You know, he had his little 
microphone, mm-hmm. you know, it's Britney Spears microphone. And all he said, he just stood center stage and went business done with excellence matters. And all of a sudden, ah, you know, everybody's like, yeah, yeah. Ooh, ooh, you know? Yeah. And, and I thought about that and I said, this is why you go to conferences. It's not that the material is any better, but something, yeah, and, and the Bible refers to it as the foolishness of preaching. You know, you can hand anybody a Bible and say, this is the way to make heaven. And they might read it, but it's a whole lot different when you've got a preacher, you know, conveying the word of God. And the same is true with this conference was, I already knew what he was going to talk about. I already knew mm-hmm. the, 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 the material, but coming out of it, it just, it, 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 it hit me where, you know, at my heart. Right. And and all of a sudden, I started thinking, yeah, we need to do this, and we need to do it now. We don't need to wait. We don't need to to, to pontificate about it or have have multiple high level meetings. We need to start implementing these precepts now, so that over the long haul, you know, how many things have you seen like some things start to 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 gather a little bit of traction, and you're like, why didn't I do this five years ago, or why didn't I do this, you know, ten years ago? Exactly. Yeah, we've had podcasts about anti-gossip. We've had podcasts about a lot of the mm-hmm. subjects that came out of mm-hmm. Entree Leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what's going to be the difference between here listening about it, reading about it, and doing it? Mm-hmm. And I think the, the point of a conference, regardless of what conference you go to, the point of a conference is to move the needle from knowing about it to actually applying it. Well, you know me. I'm a high decisive person, a high D. Um, so I like to, to do, and when I read Entree Leadership and I was done, I thought, okay, now, now what, what do we, where do I go? How do I do, you know, what do I do? And it just sort of wilted, mm-hmm. but I go back and it's like the ultimate refresher course. Yes. And now I'm all fired up again. I'm like, oh yeah. And I remember how he talked about how people matter and how mm-hmm. excellence matters. And I'm, I'm do it. Let's do it. And so now, you know, because of that, it's it just made a huge, it just made way more of an impact than just reading the book. Well, seeing something like that in person is always different than just reading it in a book. Mm-hmm. And something that I liked that they did too when they were talking about team and culture and excellence matters, like Davis said, is that great organizations build unity intentionally. Yes. It's an intentional effort. Yes. And, and we get lazy. I think everybody gets lazy. I mean, we, we'll have this big push about culture matters and this is what we're establishing and this is what we're doing. And then we get in the throes of our, our day-to-day business and the, and the pressures of it and the, and the workload of it. And we kind of, you know, left to our own devices, kind of fall back in some of our old habits that don't promote unity, that don't promote a culture of success. And it, it, and it can destroy you. Uh, it's more than just hitting your numbers at the end of the month. It's, it's everything that you do. And I've seen it. I've seen the culture of of even our business go through an ebb and flow. Every, you know, when we first started doing the remodel of the inside of the building, there was this, this energy of excitement. Hey, the painting's getting changed. Look, we're getting different furniture. It's awesome. Everybody starts cleaning up their own areas because they want to be, they want the place to be a show place because we, that's what we conveyed. We said, we want a culture of excellence. We want everything to be excellent all the way down to the color of paint on the walls. Well, then we got done and we got back to work and we got, you know, we got a pile of mail or we've got, uh, you know, uh, I'm out 
you know, and there's mud outside and I get it on my shoes and, you know, during the rebuild process, we were taking shoes off, but you know, now it's like, and it's not just about cleanliness in the building, but that's what I'm saying is we do fall back into the old habits if we're not intentional about continually move them forward. Um, I heard a, a preacher told me one time I was meeting with him about, about my, my church and, and some things going on there. And he said, David, you need to always have a project. He says, pastors always need to have projects. And I said, well, but you don't always have to have a project. He says, no, you need to have a project. And I said, well, why? He said, when people are not busy upon a project, they start noticing the color of the carpet. Mm-hmm. People complain when they're not busy doing something and serving somebody. If there's, you know, if I sit in this, this studio that we're in right now, for an extended period of time with nothing to do, I'll start noticing the drip marks on the on the ceiling tiles. I'll start noticing the pools in the carpet, and my entire attitude, my entire demeanor begins to shift. To this place is just getting wore out, and it's not not what I I intended to work at, and it, I can't work in these conditions. Well, I mean, you look in my office, and anybody who's been in my office knows it's a shrine to uh, comic books and video games Beatles. and the Beatles <laughs> and rock and roll music and, and all those those wonderful things that have nothing to do with my business. But it's it's a very serves a function, it and needs that's to why. Reflect who you are. Well, not only that, but I think you got back to you. You talked about in the unity. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I like, I like to add things to my office, and it's not because I'm a hoarder. I mean, I like to collect things, but it it brings a little bit more pride. It's like mm-hmm. oh, I got this new thing in my office, or my office looks a little different, and so then yeah, it's like the culture thing. And as soon as you you have this more pride in your 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 business or your your appearance of your office and, and your business place um that sort of spreads to other people and then you have sort of a unity and you have to have that because if one person's excited about how their office looks or how the the newsroom mm-hmm. looks or etc mm-hmm. but nobody else is then you just sort of i you know i key off other people so if i'm excited nobody else is then i go well, never mind then, <laughs> and it, and it drags and it drags you back down. Well, and and we established a long time ago, before we ever started the remodel project, was we are a family, and we spend an awful lot of time yes. together and an awful lot of time up here to not have the things that make us feel comfortable, like we're at home, and you know, you can talk about family all day long. But if all you've got on the walls is motivational quotes on to sell more, it just feels like a, it feels like you're in a, a, a boiler room. Mm-hmm. But if you've got things that kind of remind you of home, or in some cases for some of us, you might like it better than what's at your house. Man cave. <laughs> and <laughs> you like know? you said uh, Friday too, and I made note of this, don't treat people only by what they can produce. Don't just treat them right. as production units. Right. And something else, the train is always leaving the station. You've got to make sure that you're on it and make sure that you're always moving forward. Yes, yes, definitely. And and when dealing with people, you know, one of our weak areas, and we'll all agree, is the hiring process. We're working on it and we're working uh, really digital, diligently to, to improve how we do this. But and, and, and Dave refers to he wants thoroughbreds, but he ends up with donkeys every once in a while. Now me, I'm, I'm, you know, I like the, the thoroughbred, but I also like the quarter horse. You know, the quarter horse is, is very reliable, and, and and gets the job done as well. But donkeys right. are, are a pain, right? And, and and so you have to recognize who's a donkey as quickly as you can, and get the donkey out of the 
out of the barn, if you will, and get get your horses back in. What is that you're always saying? Hire slow and fire fast. Hire slow, fire and, fast. And, and he said something that I did not even realize, and you had told me that his processes were slow in hiring. But he said the average interview is twelve to seventeen times to get on with his company in nine months. Wow, nine months. And I feel bad when I bring when I get when we get to like the fourth interview because um, I feel like this person probably thinks we're yanking their chain. And sometimes they come in like, yeah, what can I do this time or whatever? And it's funny because I I, I kind of start siding with them like, yeah, let's get this show on the road and let's get it going, you know, because because right, right. I don't like spending the time interviewing. And I know you guys don't. Mm -hmm. it, it's just like, oh, good Lord, I've got things to do. And here I am, you know, messing with an interview. Let's just get them hired, get them working and we'll figure it all out as we get go. And then you get a donkey in the building. And not only does it affect what your department's able to do, but then it starts spreading to the other people, and there's all of this animosity, and that whole unity you'd worked so hard to create just goes by the wayside. It, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, if you if you have a very diligent interview process, a very uh, successful plan for interviewing, then it'll pay off beyond what you had hoped, ever hoped. And you got to have the right person in place. Exactly. One last thing that I want us to talk about for, for this podcast is being a leader by definition means you have to make decisions. Yes. yes. And some of us don't like to make a decision. They like to kind of see how things fall. And, you know, I, I've even heard the, the, the Christianity uh, cop out. And that is, you know, well, God will, God will work it all out. You know, all things work together. And I'm, I'm like, no. God has given you abilities. He's placed you in this position. And if it's a position of leadership, you have a divine responsibility to make decisions. If, if, if he didn't want you to make decisions, he wouldn't have had you in this position. Well, like he said, passivity is not an option. You have to make the decision. Yeah, and sometimes the decision is simply when you're going to make the decision. I know certain people just constantly put it off in, in hopes of gathering more data but they never get enough data to satisfy them to make a decision. And so it gets so far down the road that let's put it this way. Not making a decision is a decision. You're deciding not to decide. Exactly. Right. And what did you say today? You said earlier today, the brain is a great idea for ideas, great place for ideas, but not to store them. No. Well, like they said, the whole, your whole team is paralyzed by an indecisive leader. Yes. Yes. It's completely paralyzed. Now, that doesn't mean that he uh, sits in his lofty house on high and makes edicts based upon what he sees. Your team members have got to be problem solvers as well. Because as a company grows, the, the leader can only, the company can only grow as big as the leader can make the decisions for. So you have to train your team members to start coming up with solutions and then giving you the option to choose from a, a certain set of solutions. I actually applied that this morning, and it's already worked. You know, that, that I had heard that before, and I even heard it in another place about, you know, if somebody comes to you with a problem, mm -hmm. you ask them, you know, well, what would, you be, what would be your recommendation to fix it? Or what right. would you do? And you say, I'm going to do that. That'll be awesome. I, you know, I'll get these people making their own decisions and stuff, and then the micromanager in me and the problem solver that I, I naturally mm -hmm. tend to be comes into play, and it's like, well, this is what you do. You do A, B, C, and D, and that'll fix the problem. Well, they walk out with a solution, but no way to solve a problem in the future. 
and I'll always be stuck in, in the chair in my office answering these people's questions if I don't give them and train them to be problem solvers on their own. And that and that whole scenario that, that David come up with with the person that had come by, what was it, three times? First time, he's like, go give me four solutions. He comes back and he helps decide which one, you know. And then the second time, he's like, hey, these are the solutions, but I think this is the one you would pick. And then he said, and then um, the uh, <laughs> the third time was like he walked by his office, hey, I had a problem. We solved it. You know, <laughs> that's what you want. That's right. You don't want to be inundated with problems all day. Uh, the Businesses don't need firemen. They need gardeners. Yes. You know, a fireman puts out a fire. Oh, there's smoke there. Put that fire out. There's smoke there. They put that fire out. Smoke there. Put that fire out. Gardeners, they 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 treat. Cultivate. The, they cultivate. They cultivate. grow things. They take care of things. They massage things. They fertilize things. And that's how you grow a business. Putting out fires, all that does is keep people from dying. And it's easy for a team member to have an easy problem or a problem that they know how you would solve it or that or the best way to solve it, or they think they know the best way to solve it until they solve it that one time. But then you have a major problem and they're paralyzed. Right. And you have to train them that, that they had, because they've solved those smaller problems in the past, you know that they have it in them to solve the big problem and that they should have enough confidence in their decision-making ability to solve that big problem. And one thing I liked that they said was that fear is at the root of all indecisiveness. And I thought about that, and that's actually true. I mean, I look back at the times that I've hesitated on making a decision. It was because I was scared. I was either scared of not making the right decision. I was scared of not pleasing the others around me, something. Well, and I'm going to make it really silly, but even when you can't decide to go somewhere for lunch, mm -hmm. it's out of fear. You're afraid you're going to get a bad meal, so you don't want to make a decision based upon that. It's not that you don't have a preference. It's just that – Okay, if I make it and it's bad, everybody's going to be mad at me. Right. Or they may not verbalize it, but they're going to be disappointed that I chose this lousy restaurant to, to service. So that's I'm why I've never seen anything. <laughs> and, 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 you know, and that's really a, a small, insignificant way of illustrating the, the point. But it's true. It, even that is fear-based. All right, I'm going to make it a little bit more difficult on you. Put your thinking caps on. We're going to wrap this thing up. I want you to give me one thing you took away from this, and it could be a reiteration of something you've already said, but one thing that if, if, if our listeners don't get anything else out of this podcast, one thing you took away from the Entree Leadership one day. Sean, you go first. Uh, I, it, to me, it's the, the why you do what you do. Have a higher calling or a higher purpose. Very good. Randy. To me, it has to do with the team building and the great organizations creating unity intentionally and that a championship team is no accident. Very good. And, of course, y'all know mine. Business done with excellence matters. matters. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Biz Tools Podcast. We hope you found the information today useful for your business. If you have any questions, please post them in the comments section of the show notes, and we'll do our best to answer them. This episode and all episodes are available at biztoolspodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. If you have an iPhone and don't know how to subscribe to the podcast, we've posted a helpful video to show you how. It's also at biztoolspodcast.com. We'd also love for you to rate our podcast on iTunes. By rating it, it draws it up higher in the rankings and more people can see this podcast when they go to iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Until next time, applied knowledge is power. Now go be the leader you were always meant to be. Amen. Mm -hmm.